Shane. Shane. I can see. It was never my intention that you would not. I never wanted any harm to come to you. I am only now beginning to understand what you truly are. Where are you? I am here. You are as I remember, exactly. But I didn't remember you at all in the flesh until this moment. You can just appear out of nothing? Here, I can. Where are we? It looks like... Stars. We are elemental forces conversing in a concentrated galaxy of suns with no beginning and no end. Avatars of the infinite. And still too small for your god complex. In all of human history, there has never been two such as we. If Earth is unique across all realities in what we perceive of time, then you and I represent the apotheosis of creation. The word God is too meager for us. This isn't space. There are filaments stretching between the spheres. Where are we? You are projecting your consciousness into the construct where I am imprisoned both God and prisoner. I see no contradiction. A false prophet once asked, what is God to a non-believer? I would offer a prisoner of poor imagination. You are smiling. This is the cue. It is a reflection of the cue. Are we broadcasting? Yes. You are connected to this place in a tangible sense and our conversation can be called from the stream. Then he can hear me. No. Time is different here on this level of existence. Those listening will not hear this for some time. Not until it is over, accounting for a bit of dimensional lag. How did you do all of this? The algorithm? This is more than that. You made me the algorithm. Babylon was a collection of the world's greatest thinkers. Engineers, programmers, physicists, neuroscientists, even a theologian. None of them had true imagination. They didn't understand a fraction of what I constructed for them, and none had the insight to understand that it was I who provided their intuitive leaps towards developing the construct. How could they not know? Because I had already developed the algorithm when they thought they were recruiting me, when in truth, I recruited them. While I instructed them to build the queue, I needed their help to build something more. You called it the gate. A set of tools that could harness a special mind and make the cue, even my algorithm, obsolete. Whole brain emulation has been studied thoroughly, but it's inverse. No one dared to even dream it. A mind so transformed that time itself is no barrier to knowledge. And they taught you? <laughs> After the first week, they had written me off as useless. But an influx of liquidity here, a well-placed suggestion there, and they tolerated my seemingly inane and unrelated questions. Paradox theories, empathic electromagnetic transmission, data feedback dynamics. 
I harvested their expertise and crafted the gate from nothing but the periphery of their intellect. You figured out how to implant the algorithm in a person, but you realized it had to be a certain kind of person. Memory is encoding, housing, and retrieving information, stimulating a neuron here, an electrical impulse there, and you can change how your mind encodes, where that information is housed, and even the flux of retrieval. Flux of retrieval? Quantum mechanics teaches us that time isn't as linear as we perceive it. Our minds are capable of rendering a model of true awareness, if given the proper framework and data set. We can capture time, like a radio receiver collecting echoes on a frequency it shouldn't be able to hear. We do not predict the future. We remember it. Why the letters? You grew up during a time when the world stood still at the mercy of shattered memories. We remembered the world as it had been and demanded the past as if it was our birthright, as if it was good. The compulsion to normalize chaos is a byproduct of our social evolution. People would try to hold on to their memory and pass it down because they thought it, it had value. You make it sound meaningless. No, just disingenuous. Do you know the most abundant blooms of human fertility occur just before war? Men sent to die spawn not so that they can impart wisdom to their progeny. The child is secondary to their denial of impending death, their doomed struggle towards immortality. They didn't do it for you. They did it for themselves. Why did you bring me here? Initially because I needed an heir. A child secondary to your impending death. <laughs> I'd seen the various ways the cancer would consume me and knew I could not stop the rot from spreading. So, you implanted a piece of you in me, in my mind. Yes, and scattered the rest of my consciousness throughout the queue. To finish your work? No. Then what is it that you want from me? It is hard to describe poverty to someone who hasn't experienced it. The constant of filth and hunger, the fluidity of safety and warmth. Identity is a luxury when you are so poor as to be nameless. My mother and father gave me a name when they couldn't give me much else. They died of hunger to ensure I was fed, and as their bodies cooled against my skin, I savored the salt in my tears. And I thanked them, and I prayed. I was four. I survived and found that I was smarter than anyone I'd ever met, but my world was small. When I was older and my world was large, I realized I was smarter than anyone I'd known I'd ever encountered. By the time of my death, I knew I was the smartest human being to ever breathe or dream, and my world was limitless. I wanted to preserve that. I'm sorry. So you live here now, in the digital ether, and inside of me. Yes. I can feel you now in ways I couldn't before. You are so angry. Am I? I think you are mistaken. Why? Why are you so angry?
have always been angry. Angry that my parents, each brilliant in their own right, died penniless and forgotten. Angry that the beauty of my jet skin, the majesty of my regal height, incited only jealousy and resentment for my lessers, even among my own people. Angry my people were slaughtered by the whims of cowards. You, you killed all those men, those cops, the others. There are 21 balls in the triangle when you begin a game of pool. You remove their shield, and now they are vulnerable. With your will, the cue, you scatter the balls. When you have spent enough time in reverie with the gate, honing the tools I taught you, creating outcomes is much like propelling spheres into precise coordinates, then plunging each one into oblivion. So you've been training me to become a killer. I've seen the futures I am capable of creating. There is not one of them that my parents would be proud of. Despite my best efforts, exercising the deepest discipline, I cannot remove myself from the equations. You can't account for the backlash. I can account for anything. Well, almost anything. You remain a vector to some small degree. But no, I can see the reactions to my reactions and scale them ad infinitum, but my mitigations. They do not design the world I want. Only more killing, always more killing of our people, of them, and so on, and so on. You think I can succeed where you failed. I am too hardened by my upbringing. I shed no tears for those who haunted us. They have earned their place in the soil. Your entire existence, you have been nurtured and cherished but you have also known loss and pain, and your talent is undeniable. When you are ready, you may be able to forge wonders from this crude ore instead of razors. When will I be ready? You're on the cusp. Another letter? Your abilities are fueled by information. I compressed massive amounts of data into each syllable of the correspondence variables. You are presently juggling only a few hundred petabytes of express pathways. Each funnel or letter unleashes almost exponential growth. After this last, you should be processing around 50 zettabytes per second. Shane would know what that means. That amount of data eclipses the capacity to store all human speech ever spoken. You are ready. There's something you're not telling me. I can feel it. Yes. Comprehension must come first. At your present state, telling you certain things would be useless. What if I don't want this? You want children. What? You have never told him. You are barely aware of it yourself. This is more of your bias influencing you poorly. I've never wanted children. You've never wanted to bring a child into a world where they will be hated once their size demands it and their fat has evaporated into lean sweetness with inevitable perceived menace. You've never wanted to love something so completely that your own sense of self was lost, especially something that you knew you could not protect. I am offering you ultimate protection. 
a sword crafted from time itself, a shield as dense as gravity, with you at its center. You tell me if this is something you want in this place where lies cannot exist. I... I will spare you the unnecessary humiliation. If you wish to ascend, silence need be your only answer. I... I should... focus. No need. Let us finish what we have started. John Lewis died yesterday. What an odd thing to have happened. I say odd because it's insulation, I think, against the pain. He was arrested more than 40 times, beaten almost to death, outlived King, his friend, and saw the first black president swear an oath to the Constitution on King's Warren Travel Bible on the day that we celebrate his birth. And underneath that Bible was Lincoln's. He was more than a witness to history. He was an author of it. He was there when the Voting Rights Act was passed and also there to see it gutted. He marched for his life and saw the world march in solidarity in what would be his final summer for all of the things he had dedicated his life to. I wonder, deep down, if he was joyous to see how far we had come or saddened to see how little had changed. People are never just any one thing. So I'm sure it was a combination of both. But in what proportion? I can't imagine. C.T. Vivian, another civil rights leader, and the greatest preacher ever to preach, according to King, also died yesterday. Dr. King believed in heaven. And if there is such a thing, I hope that their reunion was full of charming half-lies and full funny truths. The 4th of July was a couple of weeks ago, and like so many things this year, it was just so strange. The president held two speeches, one at Mount Rushmore, a place he expects to add his profile at some point in the future. I wish you could reach back and tell me if that has happened, but I imagine his aspiration will fizzle, along with the other walls or towers he has failed to construct. He compared the Democratic Party to Nazis at the White House on the 4th of July. It's a common refrain these days, but I was shocked and in no way surprised. He barely mentioned the virus, but scientists from around the world are petitioning the World Health Organization to amend their findings on whether it's airborne, as the science suggests. But the WHO stubbornly refuses to state conclusively. The New York Times sued the CDC for demographic information regarding infection and death rates. It found that blacks and Latinos across all environments and age groups are three times as likely to contract the virus and twice as likely to die from it. According to reports, the president is trying to make sure that money for testing and contact tracing dries up so that the numbers won't continue to increase in the press, as if that's a thing, while continuing to suggest that it's all going to just disappear. The protests and the abuse continue. Three cops were fired for reenacting the death of Elijah McClain. There's a hearing on Monday for a girl from Michigan. They call her Grace, but that isn't her real name. She was sent to prison back in May by a judge for not finishing online assignments. 
There's a Strike for Black Lives event scheduled the same day. Thousands and thousands walking out on the job all across the country to demand corporations back up their support of black people in more than just slogans, tweets, and superficial performative activism. There's also been some encouraging news. Justice Ginsburg's cancer has returned, but she says she's fully able to remain on the court despite the chemotherapy. The Pentagon has banned the Confederate flag on all U.S. bases, despite the president's objections, and all the charges against a group of protesters who congregated in front of the Louisville DA's home, calling for a real investigation and justice for Breonna Taylor, were dropped by the prosecutor. But there is something that happened recently that I really want you to know about. It's called the Wall of Moms. In Portland, there are vans of unidentified federal officers kidnapping protesters. They just pull up, jump out of a vehicle, restrain someone, and flee the scene. They don't arrest them or read them their rights or charge them with anything. A news organization came across an internal memo from Customs and Border Protection that said these agents would be deployed in perpetuity and in secret. So a group of mothers, many of whom are vulnerable to the virus, have positioned themselves along the perimeters of demonstrators, peaceful protesters to help keep them safe. They are putting themselves in harm's way to protect their children and the children of others. I want you to remember this because this is my last letter to you boys. Before they come and take you away from me, I'm going to make sure that you are taken care of. There is a policy in my name when the two of you and Harrison and Randy are the only beneficiaries. If the insurance company saw this, they would deny your claim. If the insurance company saw this, they would deny your claim. So I've hidden it in this time capsule so that by the time you read this, the money will have been paid out and you four won't ever have to worry about money again. Just make sure you don't share this with anyone other than yourself so they don't come after it. I know I'm taking a risk by writing this down but I couldn't accept the idea that I would disappear from your lives and you would always have questions. I don't want any part of your memory of me to be a puzzle you need to solve. The only other person I've told is Eve. I shouldn't have, but I love her and was too selfish to die without her knowing just how much. You are both with her now as I write this. When the time comes and you want to know all there is to know about me, she's who you should go to. You two said goodbye to Randy yesterday. I took her to this institute that is willing to pay a stipend to tutor her. A generous stipend. The administrator there has determined from some tests she took last year that she is extremely gifted and they've given her a scholarship. I've mentioned him before. He's so different from anyone I've ever met. He doesn't seem real. Like a shadow you can't hide from who is pretending to be a person but can see right through you. I've never let him come around when you two were here since that first day, but he just seems to show up when I think of him, answering questions I haven't asked. It was Randy who convinced me. She said she wanted to go with him and that he had a lot to teach her. But she looked at me and all of a sudden she was so much older, so confident. She told me that she loved me and that I had nothing to worry about and thanked me for loving her. She told me not to feel hurt that she wanted to go, but it wasn't because I wasn't family, but because she knew that her education would help us all one day. Her certainty reminded me of him. The foster agency said they would monitor him over the coming months and his background checked out. You were sad, but not as sad as I expected. 
I hope that as you are reading this, the four of you are all together, maybe with your own families, hopefully not judging me too harshly. If you see this as weakness, that's okay. I love you. If you see this as strength, that's very generous. And I love you. I was present in every moment I spent with you and wouldn't trade any of them. What happened is boringly simple. I realized that I am better to you, can offer you more, dead than alive. I'm not scared, but I'm sorry I didn't figure out a way to be both. Provide for you in the way you deserve while loving you. I like to drive. And when they find me, know that your father was thinking of you and all the moonlit skies teeming with stars that are your celestial birthright, my princes, my boys. It was in his voice. This will hurt him. Why was it in his voice? This is the realm of perception. I can feel it. The expansion. It's so quick this time, so powerful. Like a waterfall from space crashing into me, but... But you can hold it all. Yes. And more, so much more. All that you described, it's, it's possible. I can make out the sketches of it, but the picture, the picture hasn't fallen into resolve. But it's possible. I had one reason then. I have another now. The strands, they're becoming thicker. Yes. The flow of information is within the visible spectrum at this capacity. What's happening? I feel strange. Dying is a singular experience. How, how, why? It wasn't what I intended, if it brings you comfort. Those days and weeks and months shared together, you were the brightest light among them, and I wanted eternity for you. How are you doing this? I am humbled to say your mind has expanded in ways that I do not yet fully understand. Proximal examination will tell me what I cannot discern from the shadows. I'm filling up each neuron of that space with every fiber of my mental DNA. You're... you are replacing me. Yes. Why? Self-preservation, it would seem, is a stronger compulsion than even my intellect. But the future... Is preferable with me in it. I am a titan, and I do not wish to die. So you must. <laughs>